Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Laura Ziegler. Today is Friday, January 5th, 2024. Coming up, the Taylor Swift phenomenon just keeps on growing on social media and for her fans in Kansas City, but it's also affected the city's economics. Officials say just this summer's Eras tour grossed $200 million, and that's before Travis. It's definitely something that I think the city's really proud of. Um, whether you're whether you're a diehard fan or, or just getting to know Taylor Swift or, or have never heard of her, you can't escape her um, her celebrity. And Kansas City has a long history of being welcoming to gay entertainment, including drag and female impersonation. The bar scene was considered to be more liberal than most other cities in the Midwest. And so Kansas City became the center of gay political organizing in the 1960s. But first, some headlines. A prominent local civil rights leader has called out Kansas City's Commission on Reparations for dragging its feet in funding the commission. KCUR's Lawrence Brooks IV reports the commission was created eight months ago. The city's 15-member reparations committee was appointed by Mayor Quentin Lucas to study how Kansas City can make amends for its role in historic slavery and racial segregation. Dr. Vernon Howard Jr. is the president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference of Greater Kansas City. He says without funding, the commission cannot hire staff and researchers. It is the moral thing to do, and it is an expression of effective government leadership to make sure that the commission has what it needs to do its work. Commission leaders have requested $500,000 from City Hall. They're supposed to present a report on their findings in 10 months. Representative Blaine Luchtemeyer announced Thursday he would not seek re-election. More from St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum. The 71-year-old Luchtemeyer was first elected to Congress in 2008 winning a highly competitive contest to represent portions of northeastern central and eastern Missouri. Among other things, the St. Elizabeth Republican was a key voice on issues that affected the financial services industry, but he had grown increasingly frustrated with GOP infighting in the House. Luchtemeyer's decision to retire after 2024 could shake up this year's election cycle, as numerous state legislative and statewide officials live in the state's third congressional district. Since the district is heavily Republican, the winner of the August primary will likely be Luke DeMeyer's successor. Missouri is among several Midwestern states where wastewater is showing elevated levels of COVID-19. The CDC describes virus levels as very high, which is an indicator that COVID-19 is spreading again. So far, there has not been a spike in hospital cases. The latest COVID-19 variant accounts for about half of the current COVID-19 cases in the country. The variant is highly infectious, but it does not make most people sicker. Wastewater testing started in 2020 as an early warning system to alert public health officials about possible outbreaks. The CDC urges people to get tested if they think they may be infected. We'll be right back with more of Kansas City Today after this. This podcast is looking for good deals on great food, but sometimes we need to grab a bite late at night. What are some of your favorite late night happy hours in the KC Metro? Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply.
Call it Swiftonomics. Taylor Swift's Eras Tour this summer had an economic impact of $200 million, according to Kansas City's Economic Development Council. Then, as Swift kept coming back to the city because of her relationship with the Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, social media exploded with fun names for the super couple. Trailer and Tavis are some of the ones that have caught on. Local business owners and even the city's tourism board say they're reaping the benefits of the pop star's presence in Kansas City. Savannah Holly Bates has our story. Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 2023 was a year of celebration for Kansas City. Besides the Chiefs beating the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, in July, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour came to town. She debuted a new music video and her album Speak Now, Taylor's version, at the KC shows. The city went all out for her stop, creating a lineup of Swift-themed events. And then there was the news that some had suspected all along, when Swift showed up at a Chiefs game wearing the team's colors in September. The rumors apparently are true. Taylor Swift is friends with Travis Kelsey. Swelsey, or Trailer, or Tavis, the nicknames people decided to call them, brought renewed worldwide attention to Kansas City. Mayor Quentin Lucas says Swift's given Kansas City a new brand, a big reputation. I happened to be in Paris this year for the Rugby World Cup. There was a woman from the Foreign Service in New Zealand who said, oh my gosh, you're from Kansas City. It's like, yeah. She's like, Taylor Swift, right? And she's dating some not very famous footballer. I'm like, actually, he's kind of a big deal for us. Visit KC, the city's tourism arm, says the city made about $48 million just from Swift's Eras Tour this summer. The Economic Development Corporation of Kansas City estimates her KC show has had a $200 million impact on the U.S. economy. After her relationship with Kelsey went public, StubHub reported that ticket sales for all Chiefs home games tripled for the rest of the season. Visit KC spokesperson Derek Burns says it's opened a lot of doors for the city to promote itself. Even if Taylor Swift's name isn't in some of the work we're doing, it is still giving people a reason to think of us a little more seriously. According to an analysis by Google Trends, searches asking where is Kansas City more than doubled in the U.S. over the past three months, and search interest in local restaurants skyrockets each time the couple visits one. Even searches for flights based on the pair's travel patterns out of Kansas City are rising. Kansas City business owners say the newfound attention has been a boon for them. Chris Harrington, the owner of West Side Story, sells vintage Kansas City gear. When Swift wore a vintage sweatshirt and a crocheted hat from the store to one of the latest Chiefs games, business soared. I mean, it still hasn't quite sunk in, honestly. Um, It'll be part of our legacy in some sense, you know? Like, it's kind of like weird as that sounds that one person just buys a sweatshirt and that's like a moment. But for us, being a small shop in Kansas City, that is our moment. Over here has probably been one of our most popular designs, right? Red Zone, Taylor's version. So At Made in KC, a store set. selling goods from hundreds of local makers, co-owner Keith Bradley has noticed a lot more Swift and Kelsey-related foot traffic. It's definitely something that I think the city's really proud of. Um, whether you're whether you're a diehard fan or, or just getting to know Taylor Swift or, or have never heard of her, um, you can't escape her... Um, her celebrity. Bradley says the relationship has inspired vendors at a store to create Swift and Kelsey-centric merchandise, like a pair of earrings with both of their faces on it, or a sweatshirt in Chiefs colors that says, I'm just here for Taylor. Uh, this did not exist, you know, three months ago, and it is, again, one of those hot items. So a nod to our creativity here in Kansas City, but then also to, um, to, the, to the moment. <laughs> There's no telling whether the Taylor Swift magic will continue to rub off on Kansas City, but it can't hurt when she changes her song lyrics to include her new boyfriend. All my friends to the 
And that's a relationship residents and businesses here eagerly support, along with the benefits that Taylor Swift's star power brings. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Savannah Holly Bates in Kansas City. Karma is my boyfriend. Karma is a guy. A new book by Lucas Hildebrand shows the historic strength of Kansas City's gay bar, female impersonation, and drag scenes, and how they relate to what's going on nationally. The Kansas City Public Library's Anne Knigendorf spoke with a University of California Irvine professor about how the book reflects a lot of what's right in Kansas City's gay bar culture. What's your connection to Kansas City, and why did you include Kansas City in the book? My parents are actually from Missouri. Uh, and both of them at different points lived in Kansas City. But as I was growing up, I didn't necessarily imagine it as being a gay city or a queer city. And what I found is that the Glamour Collection, the Gay and Lesbian Archive of Mid-America at the UMKC Libraries, has a collection focusing on local female impersonation and drag historically in Kansas City and how it emerged as a gay bar staple. I also noticed that you said in the 1960s, Kansas City was the national center of gay political organizing, which I did not know. Mm -hmm. So in 1966, Kansas City was the host of the North American Conference of Homophile Organizations. Kansas City was chosen as the site for a couple of reasons. First, because Hal Call from San Francisco of the Mattachine Society in San Francisco had previously lived in Kansas City. It was also chosen because the bar scene was considered to be more liberal than most other cities in the Midwest. And did I understand right that Kansas City was also an early adopter of drag shows? So Kansas City had one of the few long-running show places or cabarets for theatrical style female impersonation. In terms of gay bars specifically, as far as I could tell, it was one of the earliest cities that had regular drag performances in gay bars as well. So for people who haven't read the bars are Hours, History, and Cultures of Gay Bars in America, 1960 and After. Will you explain the uh, way you've differentiated female impersonation and drag and how Hamburger Mary's fits in? Sure. What we often think of as drag today was understood as female impersonation historically in a theatrical tradition. So the idea was the illusion of appearing as a female, as was understood at the time. What we see that's different with drag as a gay cultural staple is that there's no sense of disbelief. We're all in on it in a certain way. In terms of Hamburger Mary's, so this is a really popular chain of bars and restaurants where we see a lot of drag shows, but they're often performed for inclusive audiences. What's the effect of that? You know, you talk about the degaying of bars, and I know mm -hmm. that my elementary school age niece has actually been to a birthday party at Hamburger Mary's. Mm -hmm. We need both spaces. I think we need the spaces that support and sustain a particular community. But Hamburger Mary's is doing the work of helping to change the culture in a broader sense towards uh, reimagining queer people and gay people and drag queens as part of a larger culture. This all sounds really positive. Well, I think a couple of things probably temper sort of both this history and the present. 
So on the one hand, RuPaul's Drag Race has really increased the visibility of drag, but it's also created this tiered star system where uh, audiences expect sort of the kind of celebrities that come out of Drag Race. And so they may undervalue local talent that doesn't have either the same name recognition or the same resources. What we also see in the last year is the rise of the drag bans and various legislation trying to criminalize or shut down or censor any kind of drag performance in public spaces. What do you see next right. um, if you look at kind of the, the historical sine wave right. of all of this? I don't see this being a long-term cultural move against drag, but I think that there are attempts to restrain it in this kind of last grasp of power to control queer people and trans people's lives and self-expression. But if you have children going to Hamburger Mary's for a birthday party, the next generation has fully embraced drag. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Laura Ziegler. This podcast is produced by Anna Schmidt and KCUR Studios and edited by Gabe Rosenberg. For more news about the Kansas City Metro, visit kcur.org, the online home of Kansas City's NPR station. And don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Monday. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.